0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day
1: at Bloomberg.com,
0: the Radio Plus mobile app.
1: And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
2: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at NRIA. Net. U.S. stock index futures extending declines amid retail sales data that rekindled concern that the world's largest economy isn't immune to slowing growth overseas. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 11 points. Dow E-mini futures down 84. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 16. And the DAX in Germany is down eight tenths percent. Ten-year treasury up 1130 seconds. The yield 1.92%. Yield on the two-year nine three percent NYMEX crude oil down 2.7% or $1.01 to $36.16 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 7 tenths percent or $9.10 to $12.36 an ounce. The euro, $1.1119, the yen, 12.71. That report showed U.S. retail sales dropped a tenth of a percent in February and the prior month's gain was revised to a decline. That calls into question the narrative that bigger gains in consumer spending would propel economic growth at the start, of the year. Separated data showed wholesale prices in the U.S. fell two tenths percent in February, held down by lower fuel costs that have kept inflation languishing below the Federal Reserve's goal. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
1: Karen Moskov, thank you very much. Um, Some other numbers.
2: Oh,
3: 848 on Wall Street.
1: The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists.
3: I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. The past decade and a half have been tough for American workers. The median household brings in less money than it did in 2000, adjusted for inflation. The percentage of adults without jobs has risen. Recent economics research gives trade with China some of the blame. Politicians and voters have taken notice. Raising trade barriers is a major theme of the surprisingly successful presidential campaigns of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. That got me wondering. There are other wealthy countries where the average worker seems to have fared better since 2000 than in the U.S. Can that be chalked up to higher trade barriers? It doesn't look like it. To get a sense of where things might be going better for workers, I used the United Nations Inequality Adjusted Human Development Index which combines income measures with health and education indicators. Then I looked at the International Chamber of Commerce's Open Markets Index, which measures a country's openness to trade. Of the 26 countries that score higher than the U.S. on the Human Development Index, all but three also score higher on the trade openness ranking. Free trade and widely shared prosperity are clearly not incompatible. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View, for more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or view go on the Bloomberg Terminal.
0: This has been Bloomberg View.
1: Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly, weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Tag, Tom, you're it.
4: Yeah, Carl Tannenbaum with us as we look at the American economy. And uh, the backdrop here is a sharp revision, negative, to retail sales. Markets move on the news. And good Mr. Tannenbaum, Dr. Tannenbaum pushes against it and says "Eh, there's some glimmers of optimism out there as well. Carl, I just made up a chart, which I'm hesitant to say in March will be my chart of the year. It's a 30-year look at real GDP, which has migrated on a regression from under 4% to under 2%. How do we turn that around? It's the politics of the moment. It's the economics of the moment. Retail sales, the consumer's not going to do that. How do you turn around real GDP?
0: Wow, uh, that's a weighty question for uh, early morning, but I think the long-term issues that we've got are really to to see what we can do to improve our potential rate of economic growth, Tom. Uh, the chart that you may be looking at is similar to others that I've seen that take a look at a 10-year moving average over, let's say, 40 or 50 years that show the decline. And, of course, the economists would tell you that you build up to that with two quantities. One is the population or labor force growth mm-hmm. and productivity growth. Obviously, uh, we've got baby boomers retiring and deservedly so, but we'll need to renew the labor force in numbers and also skills. Uh, the discussion really centers on in that realm around Im- immigration, which is a huge issue so far on the campaign trail. But from a numbers perspective, typically immigration is very beneficial to those countries that assimilate well. And then on the productivity side, we've got a lot of the uh, thesis out there as to what we might do or, or, or not do, frankly, to, to increase that level. A lot of the public spending on infrastructure that we need in order to remain economically fluid has been stunted by the fiscal austerity that's been needed, not even so much at the national level, but as you know, a lot of this is handled at the state and local level where finances in many places are a lot more tenuous. And then also, I think that there's an opportunity for whomever is sitting in whatever seats next January to find those in near-term incentives to get a little bit more investment in R&D and CapEx going so that if we can make the investments today Will reap the returns tomorrow, and the dire predictions of economists like Bob Gordon or Larry Summers will not come true. Um, My name is Carl Tannerbaum and I'm running for president yes, of the United States. Yes, you, you endorse that comment? <laughs> I, uh, I I was
1: a little taken aback. I mean, uh, Bob Gordon is is not really dire, uh, making dire predictions; he's just saying productivity won't be as high as it
0: was. Well, it, Mike, his last uh, paper before he wrote the book, I think, was entitled The End of American Growth, so I, I don't know how much darker you can get uh, <laughs> on that front.
1: Well, perhaps he stole a page from the tabloid newspapers and exaggerate the headline to yeah.
0: copies of the paper.
1: Uh, here's my question for you, Carl. Uh, we were talking earlier with our political analyst, C.J. Dion and uh, Chuck Todd, who suggested. that Uh, Given the nature of the campaign we've had, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to govern next year. So what happens – you're suggesting that there are things they could do to get productivity going and the economy going. What happens if nothing happens? What happens to the economy?
0: Mike, it would be hard to imagine an environment where governance is harder than it is today. I'll just say that at the outset. So I'm not sure that we're going to see such a paradigm change uh, as we, we deal with a new administration. I will say, though, that there's a body of work in economics that finds that, that uncertainty, policy uncertainty, is the enemy, really, of business progress uh, and market progress. And we're certainly getting tested on that front uh, today. I think gridlock, the status quo, is not good fiscally because of the hill of health care costs and social security costs and pension costs we have at the local level that we're facing. We do need to face those as soon as as possible because kicking the can down the curb is going to run into a wall uh, in the not-too-distant future.
4: When you look, Carl, at the makeup here, and this has been the arch debate, and it can go either way, optimists or pessimists, do you look at the all-in economy or are things so distorted that you X out trade and even energy dynamics right now? Which is it?
0: I think you have to be very careful, including the energy dynamics, because it's challenging to understand where energy will settle in and what the American component of that will look like. Our own view is that over the long term, you know, energy demand globally is going to be strong and the supply glut that we have now will eventually dissipate. That should be good for our producers and bring that back uh, to being an important contributor to our economy. But the fundamentals that we talked about earlier, which are, you know, what is our potential for growing, are the ones that are going to be much more lasting, and I think those need to be the focus of policy.
1: Before we let you go here, we have to ask about the other numbers out today. Uh, Do you pay a whole lot of attention to PPI, essentially PPI final demand flat, and then um, the the, the New York uh, ISM numbers?
0: So the PPI, Mike, we've had kind of a quiet recovery in, in energy and commodity prices over the last several weeks, uh, taking the edge off of that uh, on inflation. And uh, that certainly will feed into the conversation that begins uh, with the Fed today, where I think the numbers are better than they thought they'd be a month ago. It'll be very interesting. set yeah. Better discussions.
4: Carl, thank you so much. Carl Tannenbaum,
1: the Northern Sur- Trust Company. Uh, surveillance correction here. I said uh, – New York ISM, they're not the ISM. They don't come from the purchasing managers. They come from yeah. a survey by the New York Federal Reserve Empire Manufacturing. It was up to positive 0.62 from uh, negative yeah. 16.64. So a big change there.
4: Well, I'm glad you bring it up And that, folks, we're buried by tertiary economic data. And what I find interesting is some of it, like the Dallas inflation statistic, has real merit Mike, what do you think of all these, you know, sub, sub, sub indices like empire manufacturing?
1: Well, they don't tell you much about what's going on in the, in the national economy, and there's no relationship between the yeah. empire number and the national ISM number. But if you put them all together, it gives you sort of a region by region picture of how things are going. Hmm and uh, we have seen a deterioration across the country, and now if yeah. this one's leading us back up again, that would be good news.
4: Yeah, I, it's just fascinating. Folks, all of our interviews on radio, out at iTunes, out on podcasts, we are thrilled to reoffer that to you. Our team is doing a great job of getting those out. Go into iTunes, search Bloomberg Surveillance, uh, and you will find uh, any number of good interviews, including Richard Haas, Uh, Yesterday with the Council on Foreign Relations and Dr. Tannenbaum and Alan Ruskin uh, and others. Uh, Futures negative 11, Dow futures negative 83. I'm going to call it a two-week churn to the market with a better equity framework. We forgot the Dow closing 17,229. The VIX, (coughs) not at mass complacency, but nevertheless very good 16.92, way below the 20 uh, Long term average yields come in today, risk off off the retail data. They were in earlier and come in more, ever more in 1.93%, but still uh, a churn to the market. And you know, the press conference tomorrow, what, what does she not say at the press conference? What does she not say? <laughs> she doesn't give
1: she doesn't any, doesn't say the word draggy, you know that, and she doesn't talk about um, dates or times, <clears throat> you know data dependent.
4: Yeah. Actual progress. Green shoots. Remember green shoots? We were younger. Green shoots was a few years ago. Futures negative 11. Dow futures negative 84. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.